The men and women leading the 21 sports at Campbell University have helped build and guide the Fighting Camels to one of their best years ever. They are talented and hardworking, and most importantly, great people. The kind of people you'd love to just sit down and have a cup of coffee with. Unfortunately, in this 10-second soundbite world we live in, we mainly only get coaches talking about how they won, why they lost, and what's next. This podcast tries to remedy that with two cups of coffee and a recorder. I'm Chris Amire, and this is Coffee with Coaches. Campbell Athletics Hall of Famer Wanda Watkins was the university's first female athletic scholarship recipient in 1975. Six years later, she was the head coach of women's basketball at Campbell. Over the next 35 years, she won 549 games, while more than 95% of her student-athletes completed their Campbell undergraduate degrees. After retiring from coaching at the end of the 2016 season, she was named the Associate Athletics Director, Coach's Liaison, and Senior Women's Administrator at Campbell. To find someone that has meant more to women's athletics here at Campbell would be impossible. To find someone who has dedicated more of her life to Campbell Athletics would be just as tough. That's why the first episode of this podcast is with Wanda Watkins. She had a cold the day we recorded this episode, but she wanted to do the interview. She powered through because, again, she's Wanda Watkins. Coach, we'll start off with, tell me about your coffee that you told me was a very complicated and precise order. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always been a big coffee drinker. I can remember even when I was in high school drinking coffee, and it's just something that I always did and our family did, and we enjoyed it together, and we still do. And uh, over the years, I kind of weaned myself off of regular coffee and went to decaf. So I drink a, an iced decaf coffee with half and half and a little bit of milk. So it's a little bit finicky and a little bit picky, but it works well for me. So you're telling me you coached for 35 years and for some of it, you did not need caffeine to get through a coach's day? Yeah, that, it's, it's hard to believe, isn't it? But I, I can remember my first, uh, back when we had a lot of TV games on, when we had Channel 40 uh, carrying our TV games, I can remember doing my first interview uh, the first week that I had gone off of caffeinated coffee. And, you know, usually TV interviews, I enjoyed those so much, and it was just an easy take. They never had to stop and redo or anything and these weren't live they were delayed so you know if you did mess up they could stop it and I remember on this one particular interview they had to retake four or five times with me and the the gentleman that was working the camera was like what's going on because you knew that was a little out of the ordinary for me and I was and so I said well, I'm going without caffeine this week that's what's going on so I you know it was just a little bit different weaning myself off that stuff but yeah You've been drinking coffee since high school. We'll go back way before high school. How did Wanda Watkins from North Carolina, just up the road really, how did she catch the sports bug? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. It was just something that our family always enjoyed together. And I had a younger brother who enjoyed sports as well, Eddie, and uh, my parents both played in high school and enjoyed athletics, and I think... um, went to a lot of sporting events uh, during the time that my mom was carrying me. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but it's just, it's been something that we've always enjoyed as a family, even when I, you know, as far back as I can remember, it was just something that I loved. Growing up in North Carolina in the 60s and 70s, what was sports for girls, women like? 
It's so different, Chris. I mean, I'm not sure that um, young women today would even be able to relate to how it was. I can remember my brother was um, real involved in Little League, and of course I loved baseball and softball when I was younger as well, and my dad coached my brother, and how they'd always come home and talk about all the excitement from their games and everything, and just wanting to do that so badly and not really having an opportunity. And we had church softball that I that I played and participated in, and and uh, of course as I got to middle school, then there were uh, middle school basketball uh, was predominantly about the only sport back when I was you know in middle school and prior to high school, and so it was just something that you enjoyed. And, and for the most part, I was lucky because I grew up with a lot of neighborhood boys. And there were very few women in my neighborhood. There were a few my age. And so I basically ended up playing sports, you know, in the afternoons and at night. Our house was like the local hangout, and we had a great court that Dad had. You know, we didn't have the basketball goals like you do now. Uh, outdoors like you can get now and so we had a court that was permanent and it had lights and everything and everybody in the neighborhood would come to our house at night so I grew up playing with a lot of boys and even younger men you know in our nighttime games at home and so we had some heated battles and I learned some brutal lessons back in those days but sports today uh, particularly for women and sports back then are just like night and day so very different you take that love of sports and are kind of a, a pioneer. You win a state championship at, at South Johnston High School, and then you become the first female scholarship athlete in Campbell history. Were you aware of what that meant and that you were the first when that happened to you? No, I, I, I really don't think I had a clue of the magnitude of all that and how it would just change so much over the course of the next 40, 50 years. It was, um, it was very exciting at the time, and at the time, women's sports were beginning to blossom a little bit. Uh, there had been, from the time that I went to junior high to high school, there was uh, a big discrepancy in the state of North Carolina as to where they, whether or not they were going to outlaw uh, girls' basketball because it was so rough. They fell for the female body and so there was, they were going to stop high school basketball. North there North. was a big dilemma in the state of North Carolina about that. And, and there were some huge pioneers in our state that had a lot to do with fighting for that and the fact that women could endure what sports, you know, offered. And so, but eventually, you know, um, because a lot of pioneers that were working hard on that cause back in that day, you know, I can remember though worrying when I was going from middle, you know, seventh and eighth grade, graduating eighth grade, going to high school, I can remember thinking, oh my gosh, what would my life be like now if I wasn't able to participate, especially in basketball, because that was a predominant sport back then. A lot of people don't know this because you and basketball, especially here at Campbell, go hand in hand, but you were a heck of a softball player. You were a dual sport athlete. You played softball and basketball here at Campbell. I did. I really enjoyed it. I, I grew, you know, I grew up playing both. Basketball was always my first love, but I was, uh, we actually had field hockey here my first year when I came, and I was on field hockey scholarship, and I got shin splints, and so my field hockey coach was my basketball coach, and she said, well, you're not going to 
play with those shin splints, so we'll just convert you to a field hockey manager. So I couldn't play, and, um, and then I was able to play basketball. And then, you know, shortly thereafter came softball. So it was something that I really enjoyed, and softball was actually something I continued to play on later in my life. Even after I graduated from college, I probably played 10 or 15 years um, up in the Raleigh City League it, you know, and on some travel softball teams. It was just something that I really enjoyed, too. What's your position? I was softball. a second baseman. Mm-hmm. And field hockey. Did you play field hockey in high school? No. No, and, and you know, it was like, uh, I guess, another way that they were able to combine some money to give me a, uh, what then was considered really good scholarship, but nowadays would be, you know, sneered upon because it was very marginal what I got. Had it not been for my parents and the way they provided for me, I wouldn't have been able to have gone to school because my scholarship was so small anyway. But no, the coach said, oh, don't worry. You know, we, we take all the basketball players and it's a good conditioner and we show you how to play and all of our basketball players are able to convert over to field hockey and it'll have you in good condition by the time you get to play basketball as well. Doesn't that just say a lot of how far um, women's sports have come? You were nowhere near a full ride on a very partial scholarship and at a time playing three different sports here for Campbell. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really crazy. Where was the field hockey field here on campus? The field hockey field was over in the area where the fine arts and the business school is. That was a field area there. Neither of those buildings was there then, you know, and I I had forgotten that. But that is the area I believe that 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 the field hockey field was in. Mm -hmm. A very successful career here. You were captains of both the softball and basketball team. What was it like actually playing here during those years in the late 70s here at Campbell? It was fun, and, you know, we all played for the love of the sport, and we just, there wasn't a whole lot of money involved, obviously, and um, so we, we played for the love of the sport, and, and um, you know, it was just something that you did for the camaraderie and all the wonderful friendships that you developed and many of the friends that I played with here I still in close contact with today even Uh, and some of them still come back for our reunions and and so that's something that you know you can never replace as far as the spectatorism and uh, the way the sports were uh, subsidized and the revenue that was involved with the sports it was so so very different and um, you know, just the wonderful benefits that you and your staff provide for our athletes now is was totally unheard of when I was back when I was playing. And I can remember even two years of my stats here at Campbell, you know, um, were, were never in, kept in records. There are two years that I played here that there are no, there are no archives of records at all. So that gives you some idea. I mean, you might have an SID travel with you if you were lucky, but basically what you had was some devoted coaches that when they were on the road, they were having to get a statistician or someone call these numbers and report scores and things like that out to the, so that it would make it even to the paper the next day. Wow. Yeah, very different. Um, I, I mean, there was support. People came to the games and people enjoyed the games, but certainly not to the magnitude that we that we have it today. You finish your career, get a degree here at Campbell in 1979, and your coaching career begins very quickly after that. Take us through 
your coaching career? Well, I graduated and I was a lot like most of my players. And I thought, well, I, you know, I can hardly wait to get out of this place. And <laughs> here I am all these years later still in Bowes Creek. And that summer I had worked for three or four summers with Parks and Recreation Department in Raleigh. And I can remember getting a, a phone call from Coach Clary, who was coaching at the time, asking me if I'd want to maybe come and, and work with, with her. Um, she already had a graduate assistant, had already been promised the spot. But she said she'd love to have me. And then shortly after that time, Harry Larson, who was the head of our PE department, called me and he had several classes that he wanted me to teach and a health class and uh, some activity courses, and which would help me subsidize going on to school. So, you know, I thought that I would go out and be a high school coach or something like that. And during the summer after I graduated, I can remember having lunch with my dad one day up in Raleigh. He worked up in Raleigh and telling me, you know, I think I want to go back to grad school. And I'm sure he's probably in the back of his mind thinking, oh no, there's going to be more money involved here, I'm sure. But, you know, my folks helped me and I had a part-time job and then I taught classes and then I was able to come back here and start my coaching career. I was I assisted with Coach Clary my first year and then I was a head softball coach uh, my first year and then the next year she decided that she was going to be predominantly just just a teacher a full-time professor and which is something I think she was longing to do at that point in time in her life and so I went and talked to our longtime athletic director then Wendell Carr and said you know would you think I was absolutely crazy if I told you that I wanted to apply for this job I know I'm young but I'd love to you know, I, I would love to be the basketball coach here at Campbell. And um, he said, no, I want you to apply. And so that's kind of how it all started. And, you know, Dr. Wiggins and, and Wendell really took a chance on me. I was so very young. I'd only been out of college for one year. And some of the people that I was going to have to coach, I had played with. And so it was a real big transition for me, you know, to learn to draw the line. Here were people that had been friends of mine. Now I was going to have to coach and earn their respect and everyone else's respect. And But, you know, it all just worked out beautifully, and everyone was great. And uh, But I'll always be grateful to Campbell for taking such a major chance on me at such a young age. And that, again, would give you an indication of what sport was like then for women. Obviously, you know, you're not going to see that happen ever nowadays. How old were you when you were hired as head coach I of women's basketball? I was 21 years old. You were 21. You were a Division One head coach. Mm-hmm. How much were you making? Uh, my first contract that I that I uh, signed at Cameron University made $10,000. $10,000. So, you know, when people, when my players would come in after they would graduate years later and sit down and talk to me about you know, how they really didn't want to leave, but they knew they had to get a job. And then a couple weeks later, they'd come back and they'd say, well, I'm not going to take this job unless I make X amount of money. And I would kind of chuckle and say, hey, do you know what I made on my first year at Campbell? (laughs) So things have changed, definitely. You played or played in and then coached the majority of your career in Carter Gym. In the 70s and 80s, it was kind of a neat retro gym in the 90s and into the 2000s. We forget that Gore Arena is pretty new. You were recruiting in the 90s to the smallest gym in uh, all of Division One college athletics that I would assume 99% of the recruits you brought in there, their 
high school gym was quote unquote a better facility. How did you convince people to come here to Campbell to play in Carter Gym? Well, first of all, we sold the school. You know, we sold Campbell. Campbell sells itself, I think. But it was difficult with the facility that we had. And um, oftentimes Carter was our last stop on a recruiting trip if we weren't playing, whereas Gore was always the place we would meet our yeah. recruits. You know, it was our showpiece. And we really had to get a kind of player that understood that everything that glitters is not always gold. That, that was really important. You know, if we brought a player in and we were playing in Carter back in the late 80s when we, you know, really had developed some good basketball here, by 89 we won our our first, I believe, championship in 80 and Big South Conference championship in 89, and we were pretty good up until those years. Um, If we brought a player in then and we were playing, we had a good shot because they saw what a great atmosphere it was yeah. to play in because we had the best, just like today, then we had the best band in the land. And we could match up with anybody with our band. And then we had a, just a wonderful group of boosters that followed our team. And our student following back in those days was really good because there was very little at all to do on campus then. So they'd bring their pots and pans and come on in there, and it was just a great atmosphere to play in if you were from Campbell. But if you weren't, it was difficult to get big-name schools to come there and play. And um, so it was um, it was the friendly confines of Carter Gym, uh, as we all referred to it back in those days. But when a recruit would come and see the atmosphere, the parents would be overwhelmed with, you know, because we would draw pretty good back in those days. Um, but then when we made our move to Gore, it was just, you know, the biggest blessing for us. And to have been through what we had in Carter and then to be blessed with a facility like many provided for us to have in Gore, it was just a dream come true for all of us. And it changed everything. Athletically, it changed our image not only around here and in Harnett County, but throughout the state and uh, across all the states that we played, you know, opponents in as well. You won in Gore, you won in Carter. Uh, so many different teams we could talk about, the championships you won in the Big South and the Atlantic Sun, but that 2000 Atlantic Sun Tournament Championship team punching the ticket to the NCAA Tournament. Talk about that team and, and what that meant to the program and the university. Well, what made it so special was in 89 when we did that, we didn't get an automatic berth. Yeah, you won the Big South Championship and, and tournament. And, and came home. Yeah, and it was a new home. conference and you didn't have the yeah, automatic berth. Yeah, and we came birth. home, we didn't have the automatic berth. So, again, a lot of people worked hard over the years to make that possible for us. But the 2000 team, a lot like the 89 team, was really a special group of young ladies. and. I could tell that when they got here and the way they meshed together and just the camaraderie that they had, the unselfishness that was on that team, just like the 89 team. There was just a a special kind of closeness about them and they were pretty good, you know, they were definitely pretty good and um, I remember we played our championship down in Pelham, Alabama and we had uh, such a great crowd from Campbell down in Pelham and our softball team was down that way I think it was during spring break and they brought their team and we 
we had a great Campbell delegation there like we always did, but nothing like the one when we went to Duke, you know. So we came back from Pelham and, uh, you know, the kids were obviously really excited and uh, we flew into the airport and then they had uh, limos and stuff to pick us up and bring us back to campus and then we had a celebration. It was spring break so there was no one here so we had a big celebration over in the student center and all the local supporters, uh, which was a great group, came out and then we watched the selection show and found that we were going to be paired with uh, Duke which was really exciting for us because we had a former player who was on their staff at the time, Shanta Tabor. And uh, so then the delegation that Dr. Wiggins and Tom Collins put together to, for us at Duke was just unbelievable. I think we had a little over 5,000 people and set a tournament record in Cameron Indoor for first round of the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, people from far and wide and it's just, you know, it's hard to describe, but the kids that played on that team were so worthy of it all because of all that they endured, all they sacrificed all those years, and, uh, but they were, they were really special, and they're still a really close-knit group. In fact, we had, um, they had a little surprise reunion for me up in Raleigh one night last summer, and the two championship team members that they were able to get together came. And we had a dinner and just a great time that night, and uh, it was just so special. How special is it being a coach for 35 years? So many student-athletes who, by the way, over 95% of your student-athletes came out of Campbell with a, with a degree from the basketball team. But how special is that to have an unbelievably extended family like that that goes into the hundreds now? Oh, it's it's um, hard to put into words, Chris. It really is. It's uh, having never married. It's really like, and it, it truly is like an extended family to me. And we were just, we were like an extended family. We were close knit, and uh, you know, you go through so much together. Even when you win championships, what it takes to get there. You know, there's a lot of uphill, downhill, and diversity that you adversity that you go through. Um, you know, when you do those things, but. Nothing more special than to be working here in my office today and a former player come back. You know, we just, Coach Fisher just had girls basketball school this week, and so I had some couple former players came back, had daughters and relatives that wow. were here, and so it was good to visit with them. And I'm really proud of our alumni base. It's a great group. When you think about your 35 years um, in coaching, if there's a coach, in their 20s, getting into it, and some of your former players, you probably have this conversation. What are your tips to a new head coach out there? You know, you gotta roll with the flow. You, you, you gotta um, grow with the kids and the times, and you have to be willing to, you know, I can remember the biggest change for me was social media, and I just thought I'll never do it, and then before long, I was doing it. But, and, um, and then I would say to every aspiring coach or every young coach and I was just saying it to one that was in my office this week during camp who, who brought her daughter back you need to keep a journal you know keep a journal of all all that's going on because when you get to be my age and you look back on it you forget things and then yep. they come back and they remind you and you reminisce and and uh, so those would be um, but but especially my last bit of advice would be you know to to uh, enjoy the journey enjoy the journey. Your journey went through the 15-16 season. 
there wasn't for you a, this will be my last year, you know, a celebration, a pomp and circumstance. You decided a couple weeks after the season that you were retiring. How'd you come to that decision? How'd you know it was the right time? Well, I always heard, I always asked people, because I really thought I would probably die coaching, and I always asked people, you know, how, how over the years, I'd say, how did you know? Because most of the friends that I had that were coaching had retired ahead of me, most of them, very few. Sylvia Hatchell is still remaining, and she may be the only one. Most of the others have, have gone on and retired. But, and they would always say, well, you'd know when the time came. And I, I really think uh, year before that, the Lord was kind of tugging on me a little bit, and I wasn't listening. I just thought I was tired. And, uh, you know, you just come to grips and you realize that this is something that you can't do forever. And um, you want to be fair to the kids. They deserve someone that has the energy and the stamina to keep doing things. And although I still consider myself a person of pretty high energy, I could just tell that it was time for me at this point in time in my life to probably make a move. And just so blessed, you know, in talking with Bob Roller. I can remember driving back one night. We just had an hour or so conversation. And, um, you know, he... he um, he he told me he was like you know if you want to keep coaching of course you can coach but you know if you feel the time is drawing near you know we'll have we'll you know we'll, there'll be an opportunity for you here in administration and I knew that that was an opportunity that I wouldn't be able to turn down at this point in time in my life and I, and I really am so grateful for that and he and Dr. Creed giving me this opportunity and I hope in some way I can find ways to give back and help these coaches that are around me now. Um, do things for them to make their job a little easier and uh, still have an impact, even maybe a smaller impact and different kind of way, behind the scenes kind of impact uh, still athletically here. You aren't even a full year into this yet. As you mentioned, you are the uh, associate athletics director, the, the senior women's advisor and the coaches liaison. It's, mm-hmm. it's a big title. How have you liked this part of your career? You know, I've really enjoyed it and I think I, I will, I'm enjoying it so much more than I would have if I hadn't had the preliminary 35 years because now sitting on this side, I get a different perspective, but also have a really full-blown perspective of what it's like when you're in the trenches and you're out there in the battle and how coaches really feel sometimes in situations that I think it might have been difficult for me as administrator to totally understand had I not been there and done that so many years. and so. Again, I hope in some small way I can use that to help our coaches group. You know, there's so much I've learned this year. If I can learn as much next year as I did this year, hopefully I'll be uh, better at this and uh, do a better job. But it's been something that I've thoroughly enjoyed, and everyone has just welcomed me into it and been great about working with me uh, through this process. Final question for you. You have been here at Campbell nearly four decades now. Why Campbell? Why here? What makes this place special? You know, it just always felt like home to me. And I was fortunate. I had a few opportunities down the road, and and some I really strongly considered, and I just, my heart would always bring me back to Lewis Creek. And I think, too, for me, because I'm very family-oriented, I'm very close to my family, it was great, too, for me, because my family's close by, and... um, you know, they, my family's been real involved in my athletic career, and uh, uh, they still, you know, come and support the women's basketball team now, and and so that made it special as well that I could do 
you know, what is really a demanding type of career when it comes to the time restraints and things like that, and yet be close enough by, because I live, you know, 25 miles away, I live over near my family, where by being close, I could spend a little more time with them than I could have if, uh, have if I was four or five hours, 10 or 12 hours away and only seeing them once or twice a year. So that made it an easier decision for me as well. Wanda Watkins, thank you. My pleasure, Chris, as always.